0: Hey, Turf Show Times readers, welcome back to Pod TST, the most basic podcast title uh, in history of any podcast, I think, to uh, just be that straightforward. And that's uh, because, hey, all you can expect from me is straightforward talk about the Los Angeles Rams, in my opinion, and hopefully in your opinion, too. Today, I want to discuss the losses that the LA Rams have had in free agency and trades. Not because, you know, that's just a technically accurate term for it they are losses they lost those players i guess they didn't i guess that isn't technically accurate they know where they are they're just not on the rams so these are the players who have left the la rams or i guess <laughs> been kicked out words are difficult um i think semantics are interesting and i Hope to learn more about words one day, but for now, I'm just going to try to say a few about the we- the players who are no longer on the team of the LA Rams, and we'll discuss who could potentially fill that void if there is a void and whether or not that might need to be internal or external, what needs the LA Rams might have in the draft or the remaining free agent pool, of which it is very large still. So there are more moves coming. You know, the Rams have... Parted with at least, I would say, eight players right now while only adding one, which is Matthew Stafford. They haven't added anybody in free agency and they have a couple remaining free agents as well. So that if they don't re sign Josh Reynolds and Austin Blythe, then they have 10 players who have parted with the team and not all of those players have been replaced yet or have somebody that we know who will come replace them. So you should still expect moves probably at at wide receiver, cornerback, something there could happen. Oh, and I forgot about Malcolm Brown. So there you go. So there's three and there's probably someone else I'm forgetting because I'm an idiot. So uh, thank you for listening to pod TST despite or in spite of that again, despite in spite, always one of my, most, I found most fascinated by that uh, that little word, spite. Despite, in spite. Uh, well, the Rams D uh, Johnson to themselves, which, it you know, you got to be careful when you're D Johnsoning yourself. Make sure that you really know that you want to D Johnson yourself. Uh, if you're ever going to D Johnson, take a long time to think about it before you uh, un Johnson um, your. The body of your roster. So John Johnson would be who I'm talking about, of course. And the, the Rams spent time thinking about how to uh, part with Johnson and uh, well, and particularly this one. And he decided or they decided, hey, we cannot pay you the amount of money that you deserve. And so much apologies. So uh, we'll begin there. You know, I'm going to talk about the players who have left the LA Rams and, and what could be coming next in their steed, in their steed or instead. Another interesting word uh, duality. Um, so let's begin with John Johnson because this is the most. Notable, the biggest loss probably on the Rams this year. And it is gonna, there isn't necessarily uh, a for sure known replacement for John Johnson. The Rams did draft Terrell Burgess uh, as safety or a guy who has played a lot of safety at, at Utah and was expected to maybe compete at safety, if not nickel cornerback, which we'll get to as well. But John Johnson being gone, the most obvious guy to go to next might be Terrell Burgess, but the Rams also showed quite an affinity for Juju Hughes, keeping him on the roster. They have Nick Scott, who is going into his third year after being a seventh-round pick in 2019, so there was something about Nick Scott that they've also enjoyed, while further depth includes Jake Jervis and J.R. Reed, uh, as well as Taylor Rapp, but nobody's really expecting, I think, Taylor Rapp to step into that, you know, free safety role, that John Zanston role, that defensive captain role. I think that the 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 captain-type role needs to be taken over by Jordan Fuller. I don't know if the word that I want to use, again, words, is needs. You know, who do, what do I know what they need? This is what I'm tired of with regards to a lot of the free agent media talk and the way that the media talks about free agent moves is that I'm never sitting here, I mean, I might sit there and go like, oh, not what I would have done, but I'm never telling people what teams needed or what was a bad move definitively, objectively. Everybody gets all this shit wrong in September and October and November and December and January and that one game in February. Everybody is, like, oh, so this team won free agency. The Giants won free agency. The Jaguars won free agency. Free agency goes horribly wrong. Uh, and then other free agent moves are widely criticized. And as soon as a move gets widely criticized, I'm starting to think, and my, my gears are turning now because if you've been reading every story, every NFL story for 12 years, writing stories, I've written thousands of stories in the last 10 years um, and about every NFL team and, you know, and, It's and I've read and I've consumed it all. And I've you start to go through the machinations of everything that's happening year after year, and it's always the same. And trust me, the good free agent moves, the ones that turn out good, many of them will be lauded. The ones that turn out bad, many of them will be praised. So when I hear things like the Buffalo Bills, they're making all the right moves, Uh, they're doing everything the right way, or uh, this was such a good signing here and there. Uh, or a bad signing, you know, like the Raiders signing Kenyon Drake and people going like, you gave $10 million to a backup running back? Are you even an NFL viewer? Are you not? You're not an NFL viewer? Isn't Kenyon Drake a guy A? Last year, Kenyon Drake got the transition tag, got paid very well from the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody was all about Kenyon Drake in his first stint. Uh, with the Cardinals, when they had uh, in that first year of Cliff Kingsbury, and, and how productive he was after he left the Miami Dolphins, and are you, an, are you, know, do you have a, an awareness of how NFL football works in twenty twenty one? Having a player like Kenny and to complement another running back, weren't you the same media people who didn't shut up about Nick Chubb and and uh, um, Kendall uh, Hunt, Kareem Hunt? <laughs> Uh, Kareem Hunt and how amazing! You know, oh, these dual threat running backs. What a what a f- great idea for the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, the, by the way, you know the most John Johnson going to the Cleveland Browns to bring it back to you know the Rams and John Johnson, but he goes to the Cleveland Browns and John Johnson, you know, commenting this week after signing with the Browns, you know, that he, it was, he liked going to a team and he took less money from the Browns cause he liked going to a team that's headed in the right direction. Now, listen, John Johnson, a probably does mean that otherwise, why did he choose the Browns? Uh, B has every right to that opinion. And that's how I would, I wouldn't expect anything less of him than to, to believe that that's the right thing to say. But if you're the media and if you take this and you think it is like, well, yeah, there you go. Brown's headed in the right direction. I I tend to think that that's true as well, but we don't know. We don't know where the Browns are going. They're the Browns. If I was going to make a guess, it wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be positive. They want to turn the franchise around like the Saints with Drew Brees or whatever Great, fine. I'm open to that as a possibility. The Patriots and Tom Brady, yes, great. I'm open to that as a possibility. The Bucks and Tom Brady, fine. Open to that and a possibility. You know, you really have to believe in Baker Mayfield, which I think I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield as of today. I'm sold on him as like a, you know, he'll be he'll continue to be the starter. I don't I don't think that he will be. Follow the same fate as a Derek Anderson, you know, but uh, I do think that Baker Mayfield liked him coming out of Oklahoma, liked him after, even after he threw a bunch of interceptions, liked him last season. It's a high bar to get into. He's a franchise turnarounder of the Browns. So I'm into that idea, but when the media starts taking on these, oh, yeah, well, the Bills are making all the right moves, how do you know? Oh, the Patriots are making so many dumb moves. The Patriots, that guy that you've spent 20 years, I mean, the greatest football. Bill Belichick is the GM, the, the head coach, the defensive coordinator. He's got six Super Bowls, three other, two other, three other Super Bowl appearances, three other Super Bowl appearances, nine Super Bowl appearances. I'll give him some fucking credit. There, I said a swear word, speaking of words. So in my opinion, all these things, you know, say, well, my opinion, I've weighed some things here and there. And and one of my things that I like about my opinion, you can disagree, but one of the things I like about my opinions is that I, I do let them live in the realm of opinions. I, I, I like to have opinions that are, you know, sometimes it makes it jo- my job a little bit easier knowing that so many other people are just going with the narrative, that they are just flowing with the waves and saying, well, yeah, great. Everyone's saying this. I'll just say it too." Um, uh, you know, all these people who don't have any sort of sense of um, history that when it's like, didn't you, don't you just keep seeing how your draft grades are wrong? Don't you just keep seeing how your free agency grades are wrong? I would have, I think I don't, I don't ever, I don't recall a moment when I said, like, oh, all this stuff I'm doing is wrong. But, you know, I'd look around and go, like, rationally, logically speaking, you know that you're, you know that what you're doing is trying to overhype a situation, increase drama, get the people consuming it to be wildly in favor (laughs) or against whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I think that people can be just as interested, if not more interested, uh, with a very rational, logical approach to a lot of these moves. Now, look, I've also said that Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff. I mean, this is one of the most dramatically big moves. This is the biggest move of the year. No other team seems set to top it, unless there's a big, another big quarterback uh, transaction which is highly unlikely, but there are a few names out there that people are going to keep bouncing around. But nothing is bigger than Matthew Stafford replacing Jared Goff. I've got an article coming out comparing Stafford to Goff, and immediately, just immediately, I know that there's people who say Stafford, Goff, it's it's not that much different. That's, I think that's crazy. I mean, and again, that's just my opinion, but immediately when you start pouring over first the numbers, it's not even close. I don't even know how people could think that it's close. The last two years, it's not close. So I do think that Matthew Stafford is uh, a major addition, but for the most part, I'm pretty open to a lot of possibilities with these signings and these losses. So again, starting with that safety John Johnson we know that he's on the Browns so what are the Rams going to do at safety they have a bunch of in-house options so you wouldn't think that they're going to make a move at safety at this point they could I still think that Keanu Neal makes sense for a lot of reasons if not as a safety as a linebacker played the last four years with the Atlanta Falcons former first round pick uh, maybe five years then, but, uh, a lot of injuries. So probably not four, five, probably not five years, but a lot of injuries, but, uh, you know, whatever he, his injuries have happened in the past to sign him at this point for on a one-year contract doesn't hurt, uh, in the future. And he's really good. And he has that familiarity familiarity with Raheem Moore. So I don't, I don't know why not bring in Keanu Neal and i think it does free up Terrell Burgess who you know had injury multiple injuries during his rookie year so and I, uh, apologies if i'm wrong about that so i guess i can't really go 100% on the record whether or not uh, it was multiple injuries or uh, one injury that crept up a couple times uh, i don't have exactly at my fingertips here but i do think that having another safety would not be bad for the Rams. Don't know anything about Juju Hughes. Don't know anything about, you know, like Nick Scott or Jake Jervis or, uh, and not a lot of people would trust Taylor Rapp to start taking those snaps again, because we did see that last year and, um, with Jordan Fuller was, was out. And again, well, if Jordan Fuller is going to be out, then why not Keanu Neal there? So, yeah. Uh, and Jordan Fuller could move to free safety. Keanu Neal at strong safety. That that doesn't sound too bad to me. So I think Keanu Neal is an interesting consideration. Um, otherwise, there are plenty of uh, in-house options as well. Uh, moving on to the trade of Michael Brockers. It's essentially just a release of Michael Brockers. The Rams getting a 2023 20, seventh-round pick. You know, this is like. That's like not trading anything. That's like trading a responsibility to the Rams. It's it's more of a burden uh, maybe than a, a gift. No, so few. Not not only do so few seventh round picks. And I know it's exciting to draft any player to have that. It's like it's like everybody gets this momentary feeling of what it's like to to just like. Oh wow, we got that guy. You know, just you just want additions, um, and you want uh, uh, possession. So it's like to have possession of another player in the draft. But at the on top of all of that, you know, it's two years down the line. Um, the most seventh round picks don't make teams. Undrafted free agents might be better than seventh round picks, um, and so uh, the. The the Rams got one thing, which is yeah, they got something there. But mostly, this was just a way for them to uh, part with some of the money that was owed to Michael Brockers. The decision to re-sign Michael Brockers uh, last year seems like a good one. Played pretty much most of the season, uh, was played well, and the Rams had the number one defense in the NFL. So it was it's a little tough to take on again more dead money. But at the end of the day, it's not a phrase I love, but uh, Michael Brocker's gone. Now, his replacement, not as clear because Morgan Fox has signed with the Carolina Panthers. So I'll just throw Morgan Fox into this as well. Uh, So Morgan Fox being another player there and Derek Rivers. uh, So both of those guys have signed with other teams. Now that Derek Rivers... I think, is much of a consideration, but not a player who will be involved in the Rams' plans. Right now, their defensive line would be Aaron Donald, Ashawn Robinson, Sebastian, Sebastian, Joseph Day, Greg Gaines, and then you're getting into Eric Banks, Marquise Copeland, Jonah Williams, Michael Hocht. Uh, If the Rams were to not make any... Uh, fascinating additions uh, along the defensive line. I don't know that they would be terribly worse off, you know, Sebastian, Joseph Day, Donald, and A'shaun Robinson as your uh, first three out there. Great gains. Pretty interesting nose tackle. Uh, and Eric Banks, I, you know, I believe was a guy that was getting a lot of praise in training camp last year. So it's not ideal especially when you would consider that the Rams for some reason felt like it was such a priority that they signed Michael Brocker's after signing Ashawn Robinson and they play different positions but just to continue to bolster that area and then Morgan Fox ended up playing you know the, probably the second best football at least down the stretch along that defensive line so uh two pretty big losses to a defense and so you would think that a defensive end um, would be an area to focus on, and an area where maybe you know the thing is that the edge players have been pretty popular so far, for the most part. Uh, a lot of first wave f- edge players, kind of Trey Hendrickson, Carl Lawson, Romeo Aquara, J.J. Watt, Yannick Ngakwe, Danico Atre, Atri, um, all signed for multiple years. And decent money to good money, um, not necessarily this week or whatever, but because J.J. Watt was the last weeker. So, but there are players remaining, like Carlos Dunlap, Jadavian Clowney, Justin Houston. Now, some of these guys are linebackers, and not a lot of them are going to look like, uh, you know, maybe... Michael Brockers necessarily, but some of them will. Tyrone Crawford, Trent Murphy, Everson Griffin, Alex Oakford, Bruce Irvin, Alan Bailey, Benson Mayoa, Tyson Aluoglu, Adrian Claymore, Ronald Blair. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Kerry Hyder from the 49ers who uh, was productive last year, very productive. Uh, not nec- Obviously not that interesting to the 49ers for whatever reason because they don't have him on the roster right now, and they've gone in kind of another direction. Um and they signed Samson Ebukam, So it's, and we can add Samson Ebucom into this discussion right now, but there's still Vic Beasley, another guy who's connected to Raheem Morris. Uh, a couple of these guys are connected to Raheem Morris, Adrian Claiborne being one of those guys. I think Alan Bailey being one of those guys. So Tyron Crawford, I believe, being one of those guys. A lot of connections to Rhea Morris. I would not be surprised to see one of those veterans signing for a million or $2 million uh, on a one year deal, $3 million. Nothing that's going to be, I would expect, nothing to be expensive. Uh, I, I, and, you know, if you were a guy like Jadavia and Clowney, by the way, why you got to go, you would think you got to go, you know, whatever success you did have coming while playing with JJ Watt. And I know that some of those years, J.J. Watt was injured. Some of those games, he was they, they didn't play together a lot. But, man, Clowney, you have not been productive in your career. You're 28. You still got a chance here to have a career in your 30s. But he looks pretty close to not having a career in his 30s. And we're talking about Jadavian Clowney not making it to his 30s. I mean, even Mario Williams was having a pretty productive 30, 31, I think, time in his life Uh, can Javion Clowney get there you know going to a team like the Rams who has historically been able to produce uh, better numbers and better seasons for its linebackers and its pass rushers because of Aaron Donald and and company I would think Clowney you know signing for a low contract with the Rams would behoove him more than trying to get the most money he could from say the Jets but I also don't think that Jadavian Clowney is that good of a player. I would think that he is an interesting player at, you know, a couple million dollars at that point, because you are getting a guy who can stop the run and and do a few other things, and maybe has potential as a pass rusher. Uh, I don't think that Jadavian Clowney has ever been um, quite a very good player <laughs> as a pass, such what he, you know, that number one overall pick situation, it, it really overrates uh and a first round pick, you know, really gives guys this credibility. And I think if, if the circumstances were a little bit different uh, we would not have been seeing so much of Javion Clowney, if he was sort of viewed for what he really was in the 20, Jesus, Louise, 14 draft or whatever it was uh, that people would kind of see him for maybe he would have been uh, the 10th pick or the 15th pick, uh, seeing him for what he, he looked like he really was. So uh, but for the Rams, they could either maybe convince someone like uh, a good player to take less money or they could just go out there and uh, use their second round pick even on an edge player. Uh, but it looks like so we could say John Johnson, Michael Brocker, Samson Abucom, Derek Rivers and Morgan Fox all gone from the Rams. And that's a lot of their front seven uh, depth. Some of their a couple uh, uh, starters or, you know, really big pieces like Brocker's and Fox. So that's uh, that's a lot of what's going on. And that's probably where the Rams, I think, would focus. They're next. Now, like I said, Keanu Neal might be a linebacker, so he could maybe be talked about as a guy who could compete, you know, as like the next uh, Mark Barron, you know, sort of like a Mark Barron situation for the Rams. And so I would look at Keanu Neal, and I would look at a couple of these other guys that I've named here among the defensive ends, but uh, the draft would seem to be an area where depth will come into play. And I also think that the Rams are clearly high – on some of the guys that they have who haven't been playing, like maybe Eric Banks or Greg Gaines. All right, so I would look at those guys. Uh, moving to here's a surprise a long snapper, Jake McQuaid leaving the Rams after since he's you know nine years, uh, so he will be or 10 years, he'll be going to the Cowboys, of course. Uh, They're just looking to get Johnny Hecker at this point. Is Dallas? That's the that'll complete their circle over there, their star. And I would say that I have no idea if the Rams will sign somebody or draft somebody or if they've got somebody in mind. I think again they were probably because of how obvious the connection is for Jake McQuaid to Dallas. I would say that they were maybe prepared for this and. They'll be okay. You know, they've got they got him equaid once, they can get him equate again. And I think everything will be fine there. Jared Goff, yeah, he's an exit. And uh, we know how they've moved on there, and I'll save the comparisons for later. Troy Hill, you know, is a guy who is gone and now LA's cornerback depth. It, well, that's not really what they have. They have Jalen Ramsey, which is depth. Uh, they have Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams as two starters. And then it's David Long, Dante Dion, Tyreek McGee, and maybe Terrell Burgess. So, you know, if you were looking at Terrell Burgess as not a safety, but as a cornerback, then all things might be settled. You don't really need for starting cornerbacks at this point, and that's why we maybe haven't seen that much of David Long is because, you know, he does get blocked by the fact that they had Troy Hill, Jalen Ramsey, and Darius Williams last season. That being said, it's not like Sean McVay goes out of his Sean McWay to mention David Long very much. Uh, maybe with Raheem Moore something will change there, you know, secondary coach. It's very... It'll be very telling what Raheem Morris decides is right for the defensive backs, the combination of defensive backs. And it would be silly for me to sit here and tell anybody that I know which defensive backs or rotation in the secondary the Rams are going to use. But you know that Jordan Fuller, Darius Williams, and Jalen Ramsey will be out there. Terrell Burgess was getting praised in training camp. And we're starting to see his playing time increase right before he got injured. So I would say Terrell Burgess is a good number four bet to start somewhere. And I think they should and will add a veteran who could be a versatile player whether that means he can play inside and outside like Troy Hill did at cornerback or that means he can play uh, safety or linebacker like Keanu Neal or safety and cornerback like Terrell Burgess you know versatility is so valuable in the NFL today and uh, that's why the Bengals did sign Troy Hill for four years 24 million dollars not a lot of money uh, relatively speaking it's a lot of money to me I think it's a lot of money to you if it's not a lot of money to you I accept donations, (laughs) but, uh, right now the Rams, um, could be looking at a, at a veteran cornerback and there's plenty of those still available, uh, out there on the market. And I, I just think that it'll just be up to the Raheem Morris, you know, someone like Desmond Trufant, another guy that he's connected to is a free agent not necessarily somebody that you want to rely upon is like yeah this guy's gonna be starting all year but other cornerbacks veteran cornerbacks have thought to be finished in their careers like you know Xavier Rhodes not that highly respected uh, coming out of Minnesota and then he played for the Colts last year played very well Uh, so I would think adding a cornerback is possible and Offensively there's uh, some more losses here or again not maybe not lie they don't I don't know if they losses or fill holes to fill. Gerald Everett signing with the Seahawks again not really a surprising move once Shane Waldron went to Seattle you thought maybe he would take one or two guys uh from the Rams and there's still a couple of guys remaining that might fit fit the Seattle's needs right now like Josh Reynolds, Austin Blythe, and Malcolm Brown um but Gerald Everett out. Tyler Higbee remains the starter, you would think. And they re-signed Johnny Munt as some depth. And then Bryson Hopkins, who we didn't see at all as a rookie. Not a super glowing endorsement of Hopkins, but sometimes players really aren't ready as rookies and really are good later on. So you, you just can't say yet with Bryson Hopkins You do know that they were high enough on what they have right now to not worry about topping a one-year, $6 million contract that Everett got with Seattle. Now, uh, And they could have probably made some other decisions to keep Everett, but that's not what happened. So I would say that tight end is something that they could potentially look at in the draft uh, and maybe... Uh, Maybe in a very cheap veteran, you know, there were rumors that they were interested in Zach Ertz and uh, Zach Ertz isn't not. I I think that Zach Ertz could still be available. Uh, Some of the names that are free agents are like uh, Tyler Eifert, Jesse James, Tyler Croft, Jacob Hollister, Mercedes Lewis. Is he still playing? He must have retired. Come on, Mercedes. Come on, Mercedes. Uh, Not a lot of interest there. But, uh, again, I I don't know that Gerald Everett is a, is a loss per se. It's maybe just an opportunity for them to find a tight end, uh, for the coaches to find a tight end to step in and play sometimes. (laughs) You know, that's basically what Gerald Everett did. He just played sometimes these players. Uh, so Gerald Everett is, is definitely gone. These players, we don't know yet. Josh Reynolds. Um, also, you know, Blake Bortles, but I don't think that that's worrisome because obviously we know that, um, John Wolford will be the backup quarterback. Uh, okay. So it looks like the Dolphins have signed Malcolm Brown (laughs) and I didn't even, uh, say that. So, The Dolphins also, I should have said, uh, have signed Malcolm Brown, and so with Malcolm Brown on the Dolphins, that doesn't really necessarily open up any holes on the Rams who have Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, and then they, they seem to like Xavier Jones quite a bit, and Raymond Calais, who they picked up as a rookie last year, so four running backs there and it's also and it's always something that you could uh, be a threat to get drafted i i mentioned daryl henderson as a potential trade chip i don't know maybe there's something that could be there as a day three pick return uh if it would give somebody else more opportunities or daryl henderson maybe even more opportunities in a system that might fit him but There is uh, not a lot to consider with uh, Malcolm Brown signing with the Dolphins. Austin Blythe, he has not been re-signed, and there isn't really a known center to take his place at this point. Uh, Brian Allen, Austin Corbett could be options, and sometimes offensive linemen are converted to center in the middle of their NFL careers. I don't know if that will be the case with any of their offensive linemen now, like Tremaine Ankrum or uh, other. But I think that center, it could still be Austin Blythe. It could still be – there's there's a number of free agents who have center starting experience, uh, even though it's not going to be looking that great. Someone like Austin Reeder from the Chiefs or Joe Looney from the Cowboys um, – These aren't expected to be great moves, and so it could be that Austin Blythe, they're just waiting. I don't know. Josh Reynolds remains a free agent at wide receiver, and so with... That it becomes another issue because Josh Reynolds gave the Rams a different look at receiver. He's the tall receiver, he was the deep receiver last year. But I don't think Sean McVay necessarily wants Josh Reynolds or a Josh Reynolds to be the deep receiver. He's got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, both of those guys have played deep and had deeper targets on average in 2017 and 2018 than they had over the last two years really didn't seem like they could move the ball like McVay wanted with Jared Goff at quarterback, which again is, is why I think the Stafford acquisition is so much bigger than a lot of people are saying that it is. It's going to change how they play offense. It's going to change, change how they throw the ball. Um, and it'll change a lot. So I don't think they're necessarily looking for a deep threat to replace Josh Reynolds. I think their deep threat to replace Josh Reynolds will be Robert Woods. And I think they do like Van Jefferson and Tristan Jackson. So there's a couple of options there, but I would think that the Rams want to target another wide receiver. And because the veteran wide receiver market has been so bad, you know, these guys are not getting paid very much money. When Corey Davis leads receivers and the amount of money that he signed for, the amount of money per years that he signed for, the franchise tags that were given out to Alan Robinson and uh, the other guy look uh, not that great of decisions right now. Because, I mean, again, Curtis Samuel, $11.5 million per year. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, $8 million on a one-year contract. It looks like I mean Kenny Galladay probably sitting there waiting cuz he's he's really thinking 16-17 million dollars and they're saying no 11 12 million dollars. It's not looking that great right now but you can look back uh, in history and in, in recent history even this isn't that new. We've seen wide receivers uh, this this happened a few years ago when Terrell Pryor was a, a free agent. Uh, there was another guy who was a free agent. I think that was when Sammy Watkins and Alan Robinson were free agents, and they only signed for three years. And, like, it wasn't as devastatingly expensive to sign a wide receiver as a lot of people had expected. And so I think that's the situation with a lot of guys right now who have been expecting more money and, and aren't getting it. And because of that, Uh, They might be cheaper now. Kenny Galladay might be out of the Rams price range, but Ty Hilton or Sammy Watkins or uh, a couple Deshaun Jackson, these guys might not be expensive at all. They might be two or three million dollars. Uh, not a lot of them are going to excite you. Um, but it's at least that the loss here is not Woods. Or Cup, it's, it's Josh Reynolds. So it's not necessarily meant to excite you. You're replacing Josh Reynolds. You know, John Brown got $3.75 million from the Raiders, and John Brown was very valuable a couple years ago, and it could still be valuable, and, and it could still have talent and skills and uh, A.J. Green got $6 million over one year from the Cardinals. Again, Smith-Schuster, $8 million. Will Fuller, $10.6 million. These guys all want to enter the market next year and see if they can do better. Uh, A.J. Green, maybe he doesn't want to enter the market next year unless it's the stock market. But uh, wide receiver, shouldn't be an issue. So those are all of the Rams' losses, I think. Clearly, I uh, am not as informed as I... Claim to be. So you did it. you sat through the podcast anyway. Thank you for doing that. This has been an episode of Pod TST uh, on turfshowtimes.com. Come back next week and I'll have other updates uh, that are several days old.